listening to a Clovis Hills podcast, you're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. I want to encourage you, go download the Clovis Hills app where you can listen to sermons, you can give, you can do the growth group questions. They're on there too. And you can study God's word together. God bless you guys and go be the church. Clovis Hills, love that all of you are joining us online on our online uh, community. And uh, if you just joined us, I'm going to reiterate what Pastor Brandon just said, but exciting news that we are going to be opening up uh, in-person services starting next weekend. Valentine's Day, right? It's the love. It's the love that we got. And so so we're opening that up for, and it's going to be amazing. So here's the deal. Listen, I really want to just very clearly say this. We, we, you know, in light of the Supreme Court ruling, in light of, of, of a lot of praying and pivoting from our staff, we, we decided to do this on a very short, quick, one week, you know, and then boom, we're going. So this is what, what I want to do now. Those of you who are going to be coming and joining us live, we love it. The doors are open. We're going to have a great celebration here live uh, next weekend at our Old Town campus. And those of you who still need to social distance, still need to, to be away, we're going to love that you're going to be joining us on our online campus, okay? However, because we chose to just kind of shotgun start this thing, I want to encourage you, if you were serving on any of our uh, Sunday morning teams, whether that's with setup, first friends, parking lot, whatever it is, children's ministry, I want to encourage you to get back involved even starting next week and our directors will reach out to you this week and we will set it up and let's just make this a great grand opening. I'm excited to see all of you guys next weekend. So this, uh, we just finished the 21 days of prayer and fasting and uh, Pastor Sean preached a message last week and I'm switching over to this mic right here. Yes. All right. Pastor Sean preached a message last week and I'm celebrating that. Fantastic message. If you had not heard it, go back and listen to it on our podcast or on our website. And then this week's kind of a standalone message, but I thought that I would love to address an issue that I hope will allow us and encourage you to continue on in that fasting that we were doing. I begin to think to myself, you know, we finished the 21 days of fasting, we do this every year, and then we kind of just put it on the back burner. But what is going to keep us motivated and going and driving deeper into the heart of God than with the whole fasting I do? I know I, in the 21 days of fasting, I personally experienced just a growth and a closeness with God. And in myself, I was like, I need to keep this going. So I've just committed even one day a week for the rest of the year to continue to do with my fast the rest of the year. And uh, I want to encourage you to do the same thing. A lot of times we just drop that. And oh, it's done. Everybody did it. It was a great, you know, group effort, and then now I'm just going to go back to the way it was. When we encounter God, it's hard to go back to the way that it is. So this morning, I want to talk about courage. I want to talk about courage and courage is stepping into what God has for each one of us, stepping into that fast, stepping into the closeness that we, that we experienced when we were in those 21 days of prayer and fasting. 
So my, my son, when he was, I, I want to say when he was about seven, eight years old, we, me and my wife had gone down to Mexico and we were uh, helping uh, some orphanages down in Mexico and we brought our son with us because I always like to take my kids on, on mission trips so they could just experience, you know, God and this is what we do as believers. And so we were with a church group and we were down there and we were serving and what, what they did was our church who we were with they took the kids and they did some things with the kids and my son went with those kids uh, while we were working. And so uh, the weekend came and gone. It was a great experience and we were back late Sunday night and I was praying with my son and, uh, and when we got done praying, I, be, I left the room and as I left the room, I turned off the light and my son said, hey, hey dad. And I turned around, he goes, can, can you leave the light on? And, and I thought to myself, wait a minute. My son had never been afraid of the dark. He's never slept with the light on. This is where, so I turn on the light. I go, yeah, why do you want to sleep with the light on? And he goes, well, they, they were telling stories down in Mexico. And I go, oh, that's it. I, I know what they were doing. They were telling ghost stories. And my son is scared. And, and, and so I told him, hey, hey, son, hold on. Ghosts aren't real. He goes, no, 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 dad. They weren't telling ghost stories. This is a Christian kid. You know, this is a Christian group. They were telling demon and Satan stories. Yeah, they, they're no ghost stories. Like, and so, you know, I can't say like demons aren't real. You know what I mean? So I'm like, oh, what, what are we gonna do? So I, you know, father moment right here, just trying to be a great parent. I said, he, he said, you know, I'm not gonna pray that, that you know, you, you, you're not afraid of the light because that's not, you know, we, we can't sleep with the light on all the time. So I'm going to pray that you become courageous, that you just become a courage, just, just have a lot of courage in you. Because guess what? When, when, when we have a lot of courage in us and we live that out in our faith, then the demons can't touch us. They got to just flee from people like that. And I think I'm just like getting to my son and he's like, okay, dad, yeah, courage, man. Pray that I have courage. And I'm like, all right. And we had like this father-son moment of, and I walked away thinking, oh man, my, my son, he's going to be courageous. This is awesome. And then about two minutes later, I turn off the light and, and my son comes walking into our room. Two minutes later. And he goes, hey, hey, dad, dad. I go, what's up, buddy? He goes, hey, you know about that whole courageous thing? Like, yeah, yeah, I'm really courageous, but can you still pray for me that, that God takes care of me? <laughs> and he just did a good, good. But, but I tell you that story because I think a lot of times in our faith, that's what it is. I think a lot of times in our faith, we want to step into the future that God has for us. We want to be courageous in the moment. We want to do that which God has called us to do. And we get all popped up and we say, yeah, we want to be courageous. We want to be a per person full of courage. And yet when the time comes, we shrink back in our faith and simply pray that God will just keep us, keep us safe, keep us distant. Keep us from expressing that which God has called us to do and living out of faith, not only just a normal faith, but a radical faith. And it takes courage. You know, if you look through the Bible, you think to yourself, there are so many men and women who lived lives of courage, who lived out their faith. And yet, upon closer examination of scripture, if you really dig into it, what you find is just a bunch of people who were actually afraid of what God had called them to do. And what they did was asked for courage. 
See, courage isn't one of those things that we just wake up every morning and, and naturally have. It's not a gift of the Spirit. It's something that we ask God for. And so if you ever want courage, we got to be people who ask God for courage on a consistent basis. I think of Joshua chapter 1 as he's about to enter into the promised land. What did God tell him over and over and over again? He said, be courageous, be courageous, be courageous. Why did he have to tell Joshua so many times to be courageous? Because he wasn't and he needed courage. Look, if we don't have something, we ask for it. If you don't have hair, ask for hair. If you don't have a wife, ask for a wife. If you're married, don't ask for a wife. You have one. But whatever we ask for, whatever we need, we ask for. And I'm telling you, church, that we need to ask for courage on a regular basis because the Christian life is not easy. In fact, if you're feeling like the Christian life is easy and you're just breezing through it, my guess is that you are not living the kind of faith and life that God has called you to live. Because it is not one that is easy. In fact, oftentimes it's one filled with anxiety and peril and we need to live, lean into God for those things. So take courage. As I was examining the scripture this last few weeks, I found a story that I think exemplifies courage. So if you have your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone, however you access the word of God, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter seven, and we're gonna start all the way in verse 36. So Luke chapter seven, starting in verse 36, it says this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So he came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. The two, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50 Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but the woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she had poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, for, for her many sins have been forgiven, and her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. 
The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith saved you. Go in peace. So what we have is a situation, I need to give you a little background because I need to understand how courageous this moment actually was for this woman. So back in the day, I want you to picture with me, use your imagination. This Pharisee, his name's Simon, he invites Jesus into his house to have a meal, which was a very common thing. Jesus, Jesus is a rabbi. The Pharisee invites Jesus to come over. The Pharisee understands that people have been following Jesus, and so he's curious about Jesus. So he invites him into his house. Now, let's stop right there, because I need you to remember something. In this time and place, what more than likely is happening is Simon invites Jesus to their house, and it's a public display. He doesn't go to a back room in a house somewhere. He doesn't go to, to a corner of a room. What happens is more than likely is they have dinner together so that the public can see. This was common back then. It wasn't like you or I, we go into our front door, we lock the door, and then we go into our kitchen and eat. No, the Pharisees would have had this meal out, out so that people could see, walking by like, oh, who's that Pharisee having dinner with tonight? Oh, he's having dinner with Jesus tonight. And that was a story in and of itself. And so here's Jesus and the Pharisee having dinner together where passerbys can see. And then we have this woman who the scripture says is a sinner. Now, let me just remind you, in other parts of scripture, anytime a woman in the New Testament is referred to in that manner, more than likely she's a prostitute. And so we can guess by the way that she, he's described or she's described in the scripture that she is a woman of sin. That means she is a prostitute. And so she hears about this dinner happening. She goes and she sees Jesus and this Pharisee, Simon, having dinner together. And what does she do? In an act of absolute courage, she crashes the dinner party. She crashes the dinner party so that she could be next to Jesus. Now, the scripture tells us that Jesus was not accompanied by a kiss, which was custom. When you go into somebody's house in that time and space, you were greeted with three things. You were greeted with a kiss. You had a bowl of water so that you could wash yourself. So a kiss, you wash yourself, and then you dried yourself off. They gave you something to dry yourself off, your feet, your hands. And what happened was, as Jesus went in there, Simon did none of that. And here's a woman who sees Simon disrespecting Jesus. And so in an act of absolute courage, she begins, she crashes the party and does that which Simon, the, the head of the household, was supposed to do. He was supposed to do that for Jesus. He did not, so she took over. And she brings her jar of perfume. And she wets his feet, dries it with her hair, and begins to anoint him with oil. I'm sorry, that's the other one. When you went into a person's house, you were anointed with oil. And so she begins to anoint Jesus with her perfume. And in this act of courage, what this Pharisee could not muster up to do for Jesus, this prostitute crashes the party and does. 
And why is this an act of courage? Because she humbled herself enough. What she was saying was this, I don't care what they say about me. I don't care what they think about me. I'm sure they're talking behind my back. I'm sure they're in the back room saying, what is this woman doing at the feet of Jesus? In fact, Simon began to think about it. He began to think, oh, if this one woman, I mean, if Jesus only knew who this woman was that was actually touching her. And then Jesus, knowing what Simon is thinking, tells this story. He tells this story that, listen, Simon, there were two people and they owed a lot of money to Visa, to Mr. Visa. One owed about $500 and, and one owed about $5,000 to Mr. Visa. And this, Mr. Visa had compassion on them. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? But it's just a story. So Mr. Visa has compassion and he forgives both of them of their debts. And he turns to Simon and he says, which one has more forgiveness? Who would experience that? And Simon says, well, the one that had the bigger debt. He said, you have judged rightly. So what is Jesus saying to Simon? He could be saying one of two things. He could be telling Simon this, listen, this woman has experienced my love and forgiveness because she is a sinner. And so Simon, what you need to do is you need to go out and live like hell. Just leave right now and just go do a bunch of sinning and then come back and then maybe you can live like and love like her. That's probably not what he's telling Simon. What Jesus is telling Simon is this. Simon, you don't experience God's love and mercy because you don't quite fully understand how sinful you really are. You see, the woman demonstrated an utter humility and brokenness as she approached Jesus. And in that, it took her courage to get to that point. And so this morning, I'm telling you, if you want to be courageous, you want to live out of faith that God has called us to step into and be bold, you want to be the church that it's got to start with a brokenness. It's got to start with a brokenness, that same brokenness in which Je this woman approached Jesus. That same brokenness that says, I, I don't care what anybody else does, I just know that I need to be near Jesus. And I will give him everything, that kind of brokenness, because that kind of brokenness leads to humility. And if you want to be courageous in your faith, not only do you have to be broken before God, but you got to be humble in spirit. Brokenness leads to humility. And humility is one of those words, you know? We always talk about humility, but the problem with humility is this, that if you talk about humility too much, like people are like, well, you're just not humble. Like, oh man, look how humble I am. Well, at that point, you're not humble anymore. And humility is like one of these weird things that if you talk about it, then, then you're not. And, and if you don't talk about it, then you're not. I don't know. But, but, but all I know about humility is this. That if we want to be courageous in our faith, then on the inside of us needs to bubble up this idea of humility. You see, 
The definition of courage is not the absence of fear. The definition of courage is the absence of self. And when we come to a place that in our soul, in the depths of our soul, we can stand before God and say, listen, I don't care what the world offers. I don't care what anybody else offers. All I know is that I need to be near to you and I'm ready to step into the future which you have created for me. I'm ready to live my life unabandoned, unashamed. Then we see the humility bubbling up in us. And humility then turns into service. You see, inwardly we need to have a brokenness and that brokenness becomes humility and that humility lived out looks like service. Being a servant of God. That's where the rubber meets the road, doesn't it? We can talk about being broken and we can talk about being humble. But if we are not serving our king, if we are not serving our God, then it's just all talk. Because a genuine humbleness results in us just saying that it doesn't matter what's going on with me. All I know is I was created to serve our God. And here at Clovis Hills, service looks so many different ways. We always encourage you to be a servant, to coin the phrase that the honorable, respectable Dave Love says, that you're never closer to Jesus than when you're serving that's because Jesus said that I did not come to be served, but to serve others. You see, even Jesus understood that the reality of our inner uh, ideal and, and expression is to serve. That's what it looks outwardly. And when we get into this idea of serving, what we're saying is that it doesn't matter about me. I'm putting myself last and I'm putting God first and then others as I serve them in God's name. At Clovis Hills, practically this is what it looks like. In fact, I'm gonna give you a very practical thing right now. Men, are you listening, men? Any men in the room right now? There's like three men in the room right now. But online, you're listening. Listen, mark it down, take out your calendar right here. February 20th. There is a men's conference that we want to invite you to. J.R. Coleman is one of the speakers. He's a local pastor here in town. And then our own men's pastor, who's just radical, who's just awesome, who you can't get enough of, Pastor Mitch Rivera. Come on, give it up for Pastor Mitch Rivera. He's going to be speaking that day too. It's a one-day conference. I want to encourage you, man, take out your pen right now. Write it down. You reason why that's courageous? You reason why that's an act of service? Because, man, I know you because I am one. I can think of 10 different reasons not to go to that thing. 10 different reasons not to go to that one-day conference. And they would all be legit. But I know that I would benefit from that conference. So I got to be courageous enough to put everything aside and say, I'm going to go. Listen, mark that down. If you want more information about that, two things. You could 
email Pastor Mitch Rivera. He'll get you all the information. Or just show up at the thing. We'll get you more information for that time. Now, at Clovis Hills, there's other ways that we live out this idea of service. We have a saying here at Clovis Hills, and the saying is this, that we hope and pray for each person, each member at Clovis Hills, that they have relationships and responsibilities. The reason why we want each one of you to have relationships and responsibilities is because we know that in a church context, if you have a relationship with other people, you are known by other people and you know other people and you have responsibilities, then you are more likely to, to not only stay around the church, but to go deeper into your faith. Join a small group. That takes an act of courage because that's not always natural for everybody. But if you want to go deeper into your faith, then get a responsibility in a relationship. Join a small group. Get involved in serving. Start next weekend. We can use the help. But we can't this morning talk about being broken and humble without talking about serving and the courageous act that it is of giving ourselves away because Jesus gave himself away for us and just living in that model that Jesus gave for us. You, we, we can start with brokenness, and it has to start with brokenness. Courage starts with brokenness. And then lived out, it becomes humility, and then fully expressed looks like service. You want to be courageous in the kingdom. You want to be a courageous Christian. You can't just wake up one morning and decide, I think I'm going to be courageous today. You've got to have an internal fortitude about you so that when the moments come, you will be courageous. I hope this makes sense. This is exactly what this lady did. She brought everything she had despite whoever was talking about her, whatever whispers were behind her back. And she demonstrated a brokenness. She demonstrated a humility and then by serving Jesus in that moment, serving him because the master of the house didn't serve him, she served him. Church, we live in a world that is the complete opposite of what Jesus commanded us to do. He commanded us to love people. He commanded us to serve people. And it seems like we just live in a world that's all about themselves. It's gonna take courage to step into that future, to be the church, to be the church that the world needs, it takes courage. Listen, that lady brought a bottle of perfume. And, and, and if you look back at Mark chapter 14, there's another story of a lady who was a sinner, who was a prostitute who took a jar of perfume to Jesus. And if you read Mark chapter 14, Jesus describes that that bottle of perfume is about a year's wage for a lady who's in that kind of work. So that we could translate that right over to this passage. And so what this lady did, what this prostitute was, was sit at Jesus' feet and take this bottle of perfume that was a year's wage. It was everything she had and she gave it to Jesus. 
And what we can conclude from that is this. By doing this act, this courageous act, what this woman did was she gave her past, her present, and her future to Jesus. She took this bottle of perfume that she worked a year for and she gave it to Jesus. She took this bottle of perfume and gave it to Jesus, which she needed for her job. It was an important part of her job. She had to smell good. And yet she knew this was going to put her present situation in jeopardy. And she gave that bottle of perfume to Jesus. And if she didn't have any perfume, what she was saying is, I'm not only giving my past and my present, but I'm going to give you my future because I don't have any perfume left. You want to talk about courageous. This woman gave everything she had, past, present, and future, to the one who could transform both her and you and I. She gave it all in a courageous act. She was broken. She was humbled. And yet in a courageous act, she crashed the party and became a servant. I just want to ask you this morning, church, perhaps you've never experienced this idea of being broken. And maybe there's a sense of humility maybe that needs to, to come with that for us as we follow Jesus. But, but the real question this morning is this, are you gonna be courageous enough to step into the future that God has for you? Here at Clovis Hills, we really do believe that God, it doesn't matter to God about your past, but he certainly is, cares about your future. And so are you courageous enough to step into that future that God has for you? Maybe you're holding on to something in the past that you just can't let go of. Well, God today is telling you, forget the past. I have created something new for you in the future. Take courage. Perhaps you're stuck in a situation in the present that just seems overwhelming to you. Take courage. Because Jesus right here and right now is reaching out to you, saying, if you would just grab hold of me, just like that woman, if you would just surrender to me, not only will I heal you in your present, but I'll allow you to step into your future. You have control of your future right now. So this morning, church, perhaps you're listening to us or, or you're live with us, or not very many of us in this room, but... I want to encourage you to just take a moment to examine yourself and perhaps you have never invited Christ to come into your life. You've never made that courageous prayer, that courageous decision to step into life, to step into that which God has created for, to step into the whole reason why God came down in the form of man. Jesus lived and died and rose again. He did that so he could have a relationship with us. And we, if only we'd be courageous enough to step into that. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. If that's you and you've never excited, invited Christ to come into your life, 
You've never had a relationship with God. You could do that this morning and it's going to take a courageous act. But all you have to do is say something like this. It's not magical. There's no prayer that's magical. It's, it's just you and God talking to each other. And just say, Lord, I need you. And I do believe that you can come into my life. And so I invite you to do so. Come and make me the kind of person you have created to be so that I can step into my future.